And we are recording Colonel Mike Bennett, who came on here what a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, a little uh, yeah. to to uh to discuss uh Brian of War, which is a sick book. Again, um because I'm a child and have the uh, attention span of a of of a grasshopper, I only read books through not reading, listening. And uh, if it's not on Audible, I'll I'll make sure that the author has it on Kindle because what you can do is you can get your phone to read it to you. It's not as good. It's in that shitty robot voice, but you can modulate it up to like 2x speed. Brian O'War, I'm an audiobook connoisseur. I don't know if that's good or bad. I've listened to 64 nonfiction audiobooks in the last 13 months. Brian O'War is a, put it on 2x speed. That's going to run me about 90 minutes, two hours. And uh, uh, When Towers Fall is... I want to say a little under that, maybe like an hour 30. So for anybody listening, they're very, very short books and they're, but it's not short in the in a sense that you're cutting corners or that they're not fleshed out. They're condensed in the sense that there's no bullshit. There's no, and then I was walking on a long dusty road and I thought to myself, no, it's just X, Y, Z happened. Pay attention. But <laughs> because nobody's here to listen to my dumb ass, they're here to listen to you. Colonel Bennett, please introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, just Mike. Mike. Um, yeah, I'm Mike Bennett. This is my second time on the show. Thank you very much. Of course. Um, I think I said the last time uh, I, I spent several years in the military, got uh, got out, retired, um, and did you know other kind of work over the course of many years. But uh, fully retired now, and I always wanted to write, uh, you know, specifically fiction, and you know even when I was in the military, of course, you, of course you do a lot of writing. You do a lot of crap writing, you know, you staff papers and yeah. it's very dry. And um, so, yeah, I, I wrote a lot, but nothing of any, it certainly wouldn't be very entertaining to read. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to write and, and, and that's what I do now in my retirement between, you know, chilling out and riding my bike and kayak and, you know, just doing, uh recreational kind of things but uh I'm, I'm very honored to be on the show and that you have actually read the books which is really cool of course so if you had any questions i'm more more capable to, to, to answer what kind of dirty communist would i be if i didn't read the i will never I, if i have on a guest for a book it is a personal point of pride that i finish the book well that's pretty cool i mean not not everyone will do that and it, and it's pretty apparent when you're being interviewed oh um, that they yeah read the book you know, yeah. like, okay. i think what it was i think it was one and for all future listeners today's monday september 12th 2022 at 2 22 p.m eastern time i think once in 900 this is episode 908 i think one time i don't remember if it was 2020 or 2021 i like kind of breathed through a book but i had kept rescheduling the guest that at this point I felt bad and I justified it in my mind that I could have them on. And to me, it was so apparent that I hadn't read the entire thing. And it was so clear that he knew and he was being very kind and I was bullshitting my way through it. And when we finished, I stopped recording and I just, I just poured my guts out. I was like, I was doing this. I just moved into my apartment. I was like, can we reschedule for tomorrow? And like, I put everything down and just burned through nine hours and finished that book. And that was the only time I'd done it. And it felt so gross. It felt so fake. What I was, I felt like a prostitute telling someone I was actually in love with them. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not a dirty whore. 
I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go. Uh, you know, that's a little far, but but it is nice when <laughs> when when someone's read the book and then, uh, you mean I try to I try to write with some kind of clarity, but you know there, there could be uh, points and and I I've been criticized for using too many acronyms that sort of thing, which I which I do add a glossary in the third book. I've heard it enough where um stuff that rolls off the tongue for me and of yeah. course i know what j3 solid means or you know whatever yeah, yeah. uh i i shouldn't I mean, and maybe i got lazy at some point where i didn't spell it out or what mm-hmm. have you but uh you know it's it's nice to to have someone have read the book and then they might have very specific points to say well what, hey what were you thinking about you know or why'd you do x you know and and, and then then i have to stammer and kind of go what the fuck was I thinking? When I wrote yeah, that? you know, I don't yeah. know. Wait, wait a minute. Well, again, that's kind of the reason why I like your book is it's not dumbed down like a super secretive guy in a black ninja suit. No, it's I get to kind of geek out on it because I've interviewed these guys before. But you know, when when it's a, a like a wave to USAP or a, or a, you know CIA sad saw ground branch, like that's fun, and it's sort of a it's sort of like an initiation. Like you got to learn it. You got to learn what it is. It's um, Raven rock by Garrett Graff, which is all about um, continuity of government, continuity of operations, enduring constitutional government, uh, Raven rock, NORAD, uh, Mount weather, weather, uh, green, yeah. Green briar. It's all, it's, it's one of my favorite books. I've had him on here before, but he actually starts the book with uh, like the, like the first chapter or second with just like a four paragraph thing. That's entirely acronyms. It's like a boo. It's like a boob attack on Conus at DefCon two by, and he goes through it all, and then goes to explain what they all are. And he's like, "You have to understand." He's like, "It's written like this because this is how it's referred to in real life." And if you want authenticity, it's not OMG, a bunch of missiles are coming. No, it's a it's a a a, a bolt out of the blue attack on the continental United States at Defense Condition One. So, I like it, um, but to kind of and. And you you mentioned it in, in Brian of War, and it doesn't necessarily it's not unique to the story, but uh, it's something I've always been interested in is classification levels. And there's only I mean even the classification levels are often classified. There's only so much you can learn. But um, for the listeners, could you maybe explain um, and a little bit for myself? I'd be lying if I said it wasn't awesome for me. Um, within special access programs, which I believe are the highest tier. Right, that's the F one seventeen Nighthawk was a special access program, and I know the. Uh, so uh, as far as as far as classifications officially, there's there's technically only three. Yeah. There's confidential, which is you know pretty pretty low tier stuff. Then there's secret, mm-hmm. and then there's top secret. So those are your three classifications. And and then you start having right? all kinds of weird bolt on stuff that 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 really does mean a lot different so technically you know t- you know i have been read on to programs that were classified secret again middle of the road secret but those were special access programs something something so so the classification has to do with how grave it is to national security if that is revealed the gravity very grave um the severity um but there's, you know, they're kind of guidelines, and it's almost to the point uh, we've overclassified things so much 
that you know if it's not if it's not above secret i mean it's it's common knowledge uh you know supposedly um but there will be um little different ways around quote the classification because you can have a ts clearance which is a little more rigorous than a secret level clearance so they do interviews and they find out who you are are you a molester you know whatever how trustworthy are you so you can have ts uh, as as a clearance level uh, but that really doesn't mean that uh, you know of course there's this whole thing called need to know mm -hmm. so technically you're not supposed to let someone know xyz um, unless they have a need to know that specific whatever it is so that's another way and uh to, to kind of delineate the extent between several things you might have um and it is a compartment if you're read on to talent keyhole or gamma um and there's a whole bunch of these different flavors and like tk talent keyhole that might be just for imagery type stuff you know uh, way back when that was satellite programs right yeah way way back when that was that was the shit that was oh nro oh yeah i Corona, mean that was the keyhole hexagon just the whole idea that there were satellites up there yeah. oh yeah peering down uh with clarity um taking pictures that was a very big deal well well now you have google google maps and yeah. what have you right uh, commercial entities that have uh, uh, imaging capabilities. And, and that could extend to uh, mapping type stuff like infrared, right? So anyway, I mean, you, you've got all these clearances, you get the three clearances, and then you have all these little caveats uh, that you're only going to get read onto just because of a specific uh, need to know that particular thing. So the, the idea is to compartment uh who knows what it you know the, the idea is to control who knows what who has access to what and of course then if something's compromised they kind of have a at least a starting point to say okay who is a dirtbag that let yeah. this out that's that's kind of the point so there you're, you then you're going to have you can have special access programs sap um uh, and the, another thing that's kind of interesting is uh, like CIA will have its whatever kind of super duper stuff. And then NRO, as you mentioned, has its little super duper thing managed. I forgot what it's called. Uh, come to me eventually. Um, you know, and then the army has, you know, so everyone has their little thing. So you're in the clubhouse. You're a cool guy. Yeah. If you have that little stripe on your badge or whatever. And sometimes that's um, there's a there, there's a lot of people involved with programs that have nothing absolutely nothing to do with them at all, but because of their rank or their position in the government or whatever, they get all these accesses. Um, but the, but the general idea is all this stuff is 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 meant to control who has access to certain kind of information, uh, not not just everyone. It's um. In theory, it's what the Titanic was supposed to be, right? It had multiple compartments in the whole. Yeah. I mean, that's a physical analogy. Of, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It was so if you get if you get struck by something, right. it'll fill up. You close the bulkhead doors, even if there are guys inside, which did happen on the Titanic, and then you you contain it. 
right. um you know new, newer skyscrapers have you can't see it because it's a nice beautiful facade of glass and steel yep. but it will actually kind of be like checkered with like concrete barriers yep. maybe every 10 floors so if it catches on fire like those 10 floors could catastrophically collapse and burn out Whatever but the rest of the building will be fine and yeah as opposed to having an iceberg situation where you streak across the entire side and then the whole thing is fucked. It's, it's one, it's knowing where it came from. It's a perfect analogy. I mean, that's exactly, that's all it is. Yeah. And and some of it is, is, uh, I guess meant to sound really sexy. Sure. Of course. It it sounds really cool. And that's only because they're, you're, you're either in the exclusive club or you're not. You're looking in. Yeah. And then people have penis envy when they're not in the club. Well, there's also, I mean, one, it's it's to find out who leaked it, right? It's like a die like yeah. pack from a bank, you know who. But it's also to, even if it catastrophically fails, okay, maybe, uh, maybe there was a mole, but they only learned about the, the 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 stealth covering of the whatever the missile bay. They didn't under they didn't learn the avionics or where the radar absorbing materials produced. You right. you can so you you you'll, you'll see that throughout the series yeah um, there are several operations and you'll hopefully you'll read all the books and you'll some people have come to the conclusion correctly that there are so each book um when towers fall that's kind of about quince right the operation quince and then you'll get to the third book and the, the operation is um quagmire and then uh you know, in this in the book you read, Brian Brian of War, the sixth book, uh, the operation is there are two, but the big one really is Cohawk, all all with the letter Q, right? Yeah, Q so that. Um, so um but what you'll realize is several of these operations, even as intense and as uh uh you know, they're big things, uh, they're big operations there there's pieces of them going on at the same time and you don't really realize that if you're you're not paying attention you read until you read through all the books and you're like wait a minute this timeline that's going on here well that's going you know there's something going on in this time slot this space of time also you know it's, it's not to be confusing it's that's the compartmentation you're talking about so there might be a character say jack He's involved with doing something in t- 2007. Well, in another book, you get to that period of time, 2007, and you're noticing, you know, Mojo's doing a whole bunch of stuff. You get to the other book, you know, there is no Mojo in that book. Well, it's because he's doing stuff, um, you know, in that period of time. But that, but that is exactly part of the reason, you know, these guys don't know these other operations until they get read on yeah. into them and they and they start participating in some fashion and you're right there they're some of the activities are very modular so you just give you know this guy and he's going to do the cyber attack piece and that's really all he's going to do and that's all he's going to know about yeah he's not going to know some of the kinetic action stuff that's going on elsewhere I mean, like we all know the Manhattan Project and how secretive it was. But what's interesting about uh, 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 Campbell—it was called Campbell because of soup, soup because of super, super because of super bomb—the H bomb project in you know late '40s, early '50s. 
not only you know was it so secret but the vast majority of the people working on it didn't even know they were working on it right like they they were they were because it, it consumed i think 10 percent of Cold the nation's electricity like they didn't know what it was but they were just operating these things yeah. and that's and, referred to as unwitting so they might be contributing to something they have no yeah. idea they're, they're just you know doing their thing but what's brilliant about that though it's not even that they're working on something and they're not read in they didn't know they were yeah like you said unwitting they didn't even tommy what are you working on i don't know i'm not read in no it's tommy what are you working on what do you mean what am i working on i work at a at a, at a, at a turbine plant right like i think that's so cool harry truman didn't know what the a-bomb was until i think 13 days into his presidency when general groves told him like that's insane he was the vice president and didn't know yeah. What the Manhattan Project was. I don't know if we can get away with doing that anymore these days. Absolutely. I, not. I mentioned earlier, I mean, you'll have people that are read on to stuff that have absolutely no bearing yeah. whether it succeeds, but because they're general, such and such, yeah. you know, they're going to be read on. Yeah. Uh, bunch of egos, bunch of ass kissing. Yeah. So, so I mean, to do what you just said, I mean, uh, these days, boy, I'd be surprised. Except, Except when it comes to the warlock, the warlock, the warlock does these things. Yeah, it's. I was gonna say because in uh, Raven Rock, <clears throat> uh, uh, Harry Truman um, talks about how he was in charge of like I guess like the waste, fraud, and abuse committee during World War II as as VP or as a senator, or whatever he was, congressman, to make sure that nobody was like double dipping because the war effort yeah. was so massive it was you could you could get away with it. Yeah. And one of the things he did is he was chasing down like. He was just looking at all these, I just, I guess, like the flow of money, the money, the cash trail. And he was like, so much money is going into like this place in Tennessee. It was right. Oak Ridge. And right. I think it was General Groves came up to him and was like, hey, you're doing a great job. Like you, you tracked it down. You, you tracked it down. He goes, turn away from this one. This is not fraud, waste and abuse. And Harry was like, got it. <laughs> and uh, right. turned away. Um, nudge, 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 wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I'll shoot you in the face kind of thing. I don't, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know if you could get away with it today unless you scaled it up proportion. And we'll get to the book. I know we're going down a, a rabbit hole right now, but unless you scaled it up proportionally, you would, I guess, just have to make levels within levels within, le I mean, um, Annie Jacobson talks about, so I've interviewed uh, uh, Dale yeah. Graff. He was the head of the Stargate project for the CIA, the remote viewing. Yeah. And uh, Annie Jacobson talks about it in her book, Phenomena, how they had, it was like it was like firewood, and inside of that was like purple owl, and inside of that was some. But it was special access programs within special access programs, within special access programs. But it's because it's as you get to the seventies, eighties, nineties, and now present day. The the leaking ability of an individual is is exponential. You're no longer Klaus Fuchs or or the Rosenbergs. You can be Ed Snowden. You can tweet it. Right. And the damage right. is done. So I would right. imagine the only way to 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 stay up to be like a a near peer competitor to the ability of individuals to leak. And like right now, if I got a file and I leaked it, I have twelve thousand subscribers. I mean, I'd get killed, but I could still get it out there. I would imagine it's just become so granular. I mean, I know the NSA has ESI, extremely sensitive information. Yes. I know Henry, Henry Kissinger made up his own called a furtherance and it was that's when they were concocting the whole madman theory of nixon to make the soviets think that nixon was gonna use the h-bomb in vietnam yeah i think you would just 
you would have to get it. So it would just, it wouldn't be anything new. It wouldn't be anything fundamentally new. It would just be an extrapolation of levels within levels within levels. I feel like that's the, really the only way you could get it done today. Yeah. It wouldn't, it, you know, so, something is happening just culturally where. That too. Um, that, that's a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, so you, you struggled through the book and and, and some of these don't you, don't hey don't no 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 that's a great book what do you mean struggled through <laughs> love it don't 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 throw that shit uh, I won't have it I won't have um, it here um but I mean so you you have a different background where you at least read or spoken to a whole lot of people and and then some readers do not so part of the uh madness i guess of the series is i uh, in and you have d- done the first one because i told you not to but you they they keep ramping up some of this trade crap type stuff so you get a little smarter book after book after book mm-hmm. um and even then it's saturation i mean it, it's just you know a shitload of stuff that goes on but hopefully part of the idea is that you become a little more uh, uh knowledgeable of that world you know and 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 yes you'll you'll see some of the examples of of compartmentation the the brine of war is a good example because you read it you know specifically the the lansing guy who's the little the little bureaucrat dude he he gets read on to a thing called juggler and juggler is nothing it's absolutely nothing. They're just throwing him a bone to keep yeah. him out of the way. So, you know, he's there's this whole, and it does kind of help into the, the big picture operation, but it's it's so low tier that it's it's almost irrelevant. So they throw him a bone and it's juggler. So he's in on the juggler thing. But juggler is the a, a compartment that's contained within the larger um cohog. Right. So, I mean, there's an example of what you're saying and that and that is you know, to have little pieces nestled within the broader thing, you know, a portfolio. Um, and that's what I was saying earlier. Technically speaking, when you look at the 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 events that are all kind of happening, the same when you look across the whole series, all these events are kind of happening in the same period of time. That's why it's the Zephyr campaign of which um, Quince is an element. Uh, Quagmire is another element separated by a little bit of time, but pretty much concurrent, you know, et cetera. So um, that does happen when you're, when you're planning these things and, and you're, they're very modular or discrete. Uh, so there isn't bleed over into other operations and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's done just to contain. Uh, and, and, and it can be very complicated to read and go, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. But yeah. You, know, you, you bear that kind of stuff in mind. You go, okay, it makes sense. It's just the deluge of, of when you're reading it. It's all this. It's a foreign language. You know, you're, reading, you're learning a foreign language. It's kind of an effective simulation, though. Like what? Um, what was I looking for? Uh, like I, I hadn't watched until like a month ago, actually, the movie about nine eleven with Nick Cage. It's all right, mm-hmm. but uh, 
it's actually kind of fascinating to go through it because you see it from just his perspective. He doesn't sure. see the first plane hit. They just hear boom. Right. Uh, they're in the first tower and some guys are talking about the second tower on fire. And the, fir- the guys are going, no, 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 it's, it's the North Tower. It's not the South Tower because they they're inside the building. Right. They never heard the explosion. And then so they don't know what's going on. They didn't even know it was a, uh, that a plane had hit the second. And then like everything starts rumbling and they didn't know what happened. It was the other tower collapsing. And then they're stuck under and like an hour later or like 30 minutes later, another rumbling happens. They don't know. It's the second tower coming down. And then like a couple hours later, there's another rumbling and it's tower seven, but none of them know. And it's, it's, you have to remember that looking back at it, people have, now we look back and we have this complete view, right? We look, you know, it's, that's the problem with history is you kind of have these, these inaccurate mosaics because of where we are in time it's we put embargoes on japan and then they bombed pearl harbor and then we allied with and it's all neat and it's over we didn't know that at the time right if you ever go back and listen to like a radio address uh the the evening of june 6 1944 it puts you in like the mindset of like you're a kid in a living room in in america and you're like what happened like we did a huge thing, Overlord. What the hell is Overlord? Did we win? No, we so didn't you, win, but you, it was a you, big step. You put it. I mean, it, it, everything's hindsight in, in, is twenty twenty. It, yeah, it's easy. Um, so say nine eleven. Uh, you know, and, and that's you know when towers fall. That's yeah. the name. You know, that's I'm obviously, to me, obviously alluding to yeah. that event. Um. Uh, but I was just watching a YouTube thing and you know and now you know 20 what 21 years later mm-hmm. people are all oh, remember this you know uh this guy was propaganda you know it, it's a it's a conspiracy well in the point of time when it happened he may not have been doing it on purpose and, and what i'm talking about is he was a reporter on the ground at the pentagon at, at you know the ground zero of the pentagon and just imagine being a uh, a reporter. You're, yeah. you're obviously not right there in the fire. You're, you're they've got a cordon, you know, half a mile away, so you don't incinerate. And he's observing whatever. Well, his observation was innocent enough. He said, "Well, you know, the a plane went in here or something, but I don't see any of the plane. There's no chunks of the fuselage." That, and he, you know, as reporters are wont to do. He's dramatizing this kind of thing live, yeah, uh, and making it sound like, um, you know, this it probably wasn't a plane. This was done in some other nefarious, you know, something, so that viewers would sit there and go, "Wait a minute, you know, the government's telling me that an airplane, you know, blah blah." blah." Um, But I think he was innocent enough. Okay, yes, you did not see large. You did not see the tail section. You didn't see the wing. Okay, well, is it possible that the aircraft was flying at so many feet per second and it penetrated into the building? You know, yes, like the World Trade Center. Of course, that's possible. And there was no, you know, yes, you're reporting the truth. You do not see bits, large bits of aircraft. Yes, but the conclusion you should not make from that is whatever reporting is erroneous and this is obviously you know some kind of cover-up yada 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 so i i I think you know the you know fairly and it's not i mean it's 21 years ago at this point 
and we say never forget but, but people have mm -hmm. uh, and now we're going to start having people probably very successfully rewriting history unfortunately as to what actually did happen even though there's videotape up and that, and you can extrapolate that to many many things that are going on today yeah but uh um uh you know i needed a, i needed kind of a starting point to begin this warlock kind of dude um and so the first book you get a whole lot of build up about a gentleman named john prescott don't spoil it for everyone but um Anyway, I didn't say anything. Don't I know. Throw, don't don't I throw this. I, don't I throw this on me. I saw you grinning. A, I saw you grinning. I've been a good boy. I've done nothing. <laughs> I I've fucking yeah. had my. I'll get my lawyer. I don't have a lawyer, but I'll have a lawyer present. So I did nothing. Um, when I went into the second one, I had my whole idea. Okay, what am I going to do? Um, and I'll be I'll be quite honest with you. I it was 2007, 2008, 2009. I became aware of Nord Stream. Okay. And just because I'm slightly malevolent thinker, I said to myself, who's supplying the oil to where? I said, is that in the U.S. best interest? Hmm. You know, in 2008. And I very foolishly voiced my opinion to people senior to me. And I was told, go, go, go fuck yourself. Go sit in the corner and, cray, uh, and, and color with crayon. Um, and no one wanted to listen to what I thought was uh, something to think about. But, um, you know, I, 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 I did go back to 9-11 purposefully because I think it's just a significant event. You know, and all these things kind of add up to here's a character, you know, Jack, and he does this stuff. And then there's this guy, Dennis, and then this guy, Coco, you know. You, you, there's a little building block, so there's a lot of character development. But but I you know I back it up in time, and 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 sometimes I relate a person like Jack is from book one, or Xander is from book one. So you know, you know, and and that time frame was like 2002, right? So as time goes along a little bit, you know, and these people end up being kind of the central cast cadre across the whole series you know well why why these guys why these people coco's a woman um why these persons well they have a backstory so i, I kind of fill in that but and when i'm choosing you know as an author as a writer what kind of things do i want to highlight so your boogeyman in when towers fall turns out to be the the uh, uh the architect of the beirut bombing of 1983 so i you know i'm throwing in historical references of stuff of significance to the united states and what we did or what we did not do uh, and you know and and eventually we get justice on that particular individual but 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 i do go back to 9 11 because that really is for most people that are alive, really, at this point, uh, that would have interest, I think, in reading these books, um, they do remember. And that is something of such great significance that it, it, it deserves, um, you know, some kind of mention in the context of 
why is there a warlock and why is this necessary you know so um folks that read through these things i mean some of the stuff is it, quite a bit is done very very deliberately because because i think there are particular events in time that were opportunities that we we certainly didn't take advantage of the arab spring as an example but um uh you know so so there there's ways to rectify that through fiction uh that are that's both entertaining but you know what if could could have could have would have should have yeah. type uh stuff um the whole i guess the idea of fog of war that i brought up about like not knowing what's going on gets us kind of interesting because you could look at i started this podcast december 12th 2019 which in hindsight we now know is the first time that a covid infected individual came to the u.s so you can actually kind of see the fog of war in real time i've done an episode almost every day and you can see it as like this like distant conversation this idea in the background mm-hmm. and then you can as episodes go the first episode i did we were just talking about the protests in hong kong and so it's it's kind of poetic you can go through them all and i don't recommend it. it's 908 episodes you go through it all and you can see it coming as just like yeah i heard this was happening to this is coming to there's one episode where i'm like dude i was supposed to, i'm talking to this guest and i'm like i was supposed to have on this guy from california but he bailed on me he said uh he said he said covid's coming to the united states and they're gonna shut down california and you can see the guest looking at me like the fuck and i'm like yeah it's retarded and then like a month later it's like well <laughs> the west coast is shut down and then you can see it coming and then like I start interviewing doctors and it's, you know, we're trying to get to the bottom of it. And then you can see like, maybe this is just hysteria and then like questioning it and then censorship and like, Oh, now this is a money grab, but you can see it in real time. And now we can look back at it and go, well, this is the timeline of COVID, but you can go back just two years and actually see, I mean, from my perspective, and that's a limited data point, but you can see an example of the fog of war. And I, that's what I like about your books is to the average normie like me who doesn't know all these acronyms, who doesn't know that these are all going on. It's kind of that bombarding fog of war where you can look back and go, oh, I see how the books connect now. But versus like you just kind of go in blind. Yeah, the whole thing its an I don't know if that was intentional, but the whole thing is an effective fog of war. You're like, the fuck's going on? What's Quahog? What's Juggler? What, what are we doing? Why are they putting it? what's and i think that and whether or not you intended to who cares take credit for it it is it's an effective simulation of of fog of war well yeah um uh, your your fog of again everything is very easy after the fact to 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 take all these data points and kind of string them up you know if you're very meticulous and you say well we missed this little thing that happened at that moment in time, uh, you say, uh, you know, the Beirut bombing, I was alive in 1983 and I, I, I know it occurred. Uh, and then, you know, say 10 years, and that was during the Reagan administration. And during the Reagan administration, the opposing party would, would you know, chip away at his, you know, him being the president and just say bad things, whatever. And one of the things that was said in his in the second term was he's kind of losing his mind. He's losing his marbles. He doesn't have his full faculties, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
and with the clarity of you know five years after the fact, say the Beirut bombing, then they they come up with all these criticisms. Well, you should have done X, should have done this, yeah. should have done that, and, and I think that's always going to happen. Um, now, for the folks, uh, again, you can be very very critical of George Bush when the towers fell, right? You can be very critical of what we did, yada, yada. But at that very moment in time, I, I'd have to say that I think his initial action of going into Afghanistan was a, the right response. Um, I, was very, I was very supportive of George Bush, uh, really even going into 2000, say 2007, when we were taking so many casualties in Iraq. Um, uh, mostly because what I respected, I may not have agreed with. First thing I did not agree with was nation building. That's just kind of a that side nev- point. Never works. Um, well, it, it can work, but it's it's not going to work in that society. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think um, uh, uh, I, what I did respect was, you know. And, and it got to be a, a cliche, unfortunately, you know, stay the course. And there's, I think, even in When Towers Fall, but the, so in the first book, I, I do make some points about recruiting a source from whatever country, right? And you'll see that kind of across the series. My personal outlook is don't do it if you're not going to do it 100%. Mm-hmm. It's, it is binary. It's on off. But when you go on, it's 100%. And let's say, so you start in When Towers Fall. You're introduced to Moja, who's a SEAL. You'll see him again, right? I'm just telling you. You will see him in the next book take much more front and center. But you're seeing this, this kid. He's a young, young, you know, petty officer when you're introduced very young man and he gets attached to special activities of isn't ground branch guys as a linguist yes he is a yeah. seal he's a killer right he's but you know but he's really there to be an interpreter terp, yeah right he's a terp um but you'll see his career progress one thing after the next after the next and he he's he, he gets swept up into this warlock kind of world as a player right some of it's kind of luck. He's at the right place and he gets selected to do, you know, the airport thing or do mm-hmm. the reconnaissance yeah. of, of one of the endpoints of, of Nord Stream. Um, so you're just seeing this, this one individual career progression. So, uh, you know, so he is in when towers fall, he's in the very beginning of the book, you, he's in Kurdistan, right? And there's a there's a Kurdish, very young guy who's not the top dude, right? He's just a young kid named Anzar or Azwar, I'm sorry. Um, well, you're going to see more. I mean, there's a progression of where these two make friends, Mojo and Azwar, over a course of time, over the course of 15 years, over a cor- and that goes over a course of many operations. And my point really is, stay the course relates to if the United States of America says it's going to do whatever and 
X country, we are selecting you as an ally. In this particular case, specifically, I'm talking about the Kurds, which is technically not a nation. They're an ethnic group that is across Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran, right? They're an ethnic group um, who desire to be their own country called Kurdistan. Anyway, so, so we befriend them as allies, but do we stick to them? Do we stay the course in a policy? And you can look at today's history, it you know, might put that into question. And the big picture for me, from an unconventional warfare point of view, is if we say we're going to do something, we goddamn do it. Yeah. And that is taken, you know, with say allies like the Kurds, or you can, you can, you can, uh, you know, the same thing with our allies, uh, England, right? The UK. Uh, when we make a promise, we stand by it. Now, there might be at a policy level a very deliberate decision the United States, the president, whoever might make and say, for the last 35 years, we've been allies with Pakistan. And we have determined that Pakistan is unreliable as an ally. We're going to adjust our relationship and our funding to them. Yeah. You know, accordingly. Yeah. And that's a very deliberate change. But you would announce it and say, you know, we're, we're not going to ally ourselves with Pakistan. We're going to ally ourselves with India, whatever. Yeah. Um, so there, there is a limit to, you know, our friend, our, our being friends, staying the course. We're going back to Bush. Isn't he? I mean, he, he, he stated, okay, we went down this road. We're committed. We're going to stick to it. We're not going to pull out of this. And an example of that, I, I actually have never written, well, I haven't to date written about it a lot, but it's coming. Um, say Somalia. Uh, we pursued a certain whatever in Somalia. The Clinton administration came on board. 18 Rangers died. He saw bodies come home in caskets, and it was bad for his, his, his yeah. um, you know, his, his, his uh, polling. Yeah. And he just, we're done. Well, we're pulling out. Wouldn't give him AC 130s or and, tanks. And, and you say, well, you know, hmm, what was the, what was the consequence of that? And never mind the AC 130s prior to, but uh, what was the consequence of that? The United States of America reneged on a promise. Who observed that? A guy named Bin Laden. Mm. Right? So you're talking 1993. Bin Laden's doing his thing. And then 1998 hits, and you've got embassies in Nairobi and Tanzania, both getting hit in 1998. Bin Laden taking credit. And of course, 9-11, 2001. He specifically stated in his fatwa that, hey, um, the United States is going to fold. Yeah. They're going to run away. So, so there, there, there's a consequence of, of you, you make a commitment as a nation, as a, as a human being, as a man.
but you make a co commitment as a nation and people are watching no matter where we are no matter what we're doing people are watching the united states they're always watching for cues of weakness or strength and then they fall in line accordingly yeah uh, so I, I i did admire him for his um stick to itiveness um I, I do think he could have could have uh made some adjustments along the way I, I, again just me nation building it, it, it i didn't think it was going to go well and, and and i think we see that it did not neither there nor afghanistan but yeah. anyway the, the, this kind of crap I'm, I'm rambling on it's it is buried in the books you might have to dig a little bit uh but that's part you know i i i have faith that the reader is going to read the words but also probably do a little bit of analysis while they're reading it you know and, and put one-on-one together in, in in some places i don't i don't spoon, spoon feed every single thing i mean there's stuff you have to um uh, discern from what is written i think and to me as a reader i think that's part of the fun of yeah. reading you yeah. know um it might Tell everybody where to find your book and what your Twitter is. I gotta go pee. I'll be right back. Hey, we did this last time. Yeah, you left me hanging. You left me hanging. Okay, folks. Uh, I actually do have a website now. Uh, and it's one word, author Mike Bennett.com. Uh, and I'm starting a blog for some of my travels and that sort of thing. But the eventual hope there is first thing it'll be your conduit if you want to buy direct from me uh for signed books uh if you buy all six i also throw in a, a cigar um but the the most reliable way and if, if particularly if you want kindle or some kind of electronic format um is on the amazon site uh, you can you can put in there the Amazon search bar, put in the Warlock series, Mike Bennett. It should pop up. Uh, you put in Mike Bennett, When Towers Fall, Brian of War. You know it should pop up uh, without any doubt. Um, and then um, you know the page will come up. It says seven book series is actually only only you know quote only six. The seventh book they're talking about is something I do at Christmas time, and but they Amazon don't take that off their website. They just keep the number seven for whatever reason. There's six books, and they're listed, you know, in order. Uh, uh, so that's the way to purchase the stuff. Uh, the website, I mean, I just started it, so don't expect great, you know, mounds of content. Uh, I'm still trying to get some of the. Uh, the links and whatnot to work properly uh but that would be you know by the end of the week um you should be able to uh, uh order direct from me if you want the copies signed by the author uh you won't be able to read my handwriting no one can uh but that is my signature you know it is me so that's how you get the books um <clears throat> to kind of i guess on that note of uh of george bush right it's again very easy to look back and i mean i'm i'm no necessarily fan of the 
occupation of Iraq, which ironically has not come about because I'm a hippie, but rather like the number of veterans I've interviewed, Green Berets, SEALs, Delta, whatever, and their thoughts on it um, about the loss of life. Mm -hmm. But you also look back and you really, I mean, what was it? The, the, I mean, so the World Trade Center is 1,350 uh, feet tall apiece in lower Manhattan. The Pentagon, on fire, hit by planes. They they stop all air traffic in the United States. They were giving out Z-packs on Air Force One because they didn't know if there was a biological attack that had already occurred. That's mm-hmm. one of the things from a Garrett Graff's book, um, Only Plane in the Sky. They talk about the, the head physician giving everyone antibiotics because he was like, I'd rather them kind of all have like an upset stomach because they didn't need it then mm-hmm. he was like because we won't know until a couple of days go by whether or not there was a biological attack and then like one guy on the plane he it, it was like a two-week z-pack course and one guy took all the pills at once and he was like puking in the bathroom and the, and the doctor was like he, he like wrote in his journal he was like we're gonna have like the only fatality on air force one on 9-11 because this dude took a bunch of uh uh and antibi- but the point is is it's all in hindsight, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the beginning of COVID, the, the doors of NORAD actually shut. They didn't know what it was. And we can always look back at it. And you can always say there's an overreach. But, I mean, you I was only 11. So, I actually, I don't remember it that well. But you've got to look back at it. An attack. You're talking 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to look back cool. at it. Yeah. yeah. Lower Manhattan. The Pentagon. Yeah. Bush is all it's staying in the air. No one knew he was at off it. It's going all around. Dick Cheney's in the Piak. No one knows what's going on. You know, we notified Russia and we're like, hey, we're not getting ready to attack you, but we're, you know, we're going on, we're going on a war footing. No one knows what's going on. There is no Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. No one knows what the hell's going on. It's like when you drop or not me, because I, you know, it's the it's the future now, but the trope of like back in the day, if you had a glass contact and you drop it. Nobody move. Right. We don't right. know where the contact is. It's the same thing. And then you go, oh, wait, it's, it's on my pinky. It fell on my pinky. But you didn't know that. Well, you know, when, when something of that significance happens, I mean, they're, they're not unnatural. There's going to be an overreaction. Yes. The, of the, the absolute immediate, the immediate, immediate, immediate. And then, you know, a couple of days later, you know, we're having this anthrax. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, and I want to say, I think in the same general time frame, there was the DC sniper. You know, yeah, the guy not too was, long after that. Yeah, there was there was popping guys in DC. Yeah, in, in, from the trunk of his car, mm-hmm. um, had a little hole in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so there were, you know, a confluence of 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 events. Um. Uh, so and there was overreaction, and and really the. I would say the biggest overreaction was the uh, the Patriot Act. Uh, sure. I mean, they, they they threw that thing out, um, and they really didn't know how to how to reel it back in, you know, without you know massive legislative. Got, I mean, they'd have to undo the Patriot Act itself. Um, uh, you know, there was some <clears throat> some wisdom in in uh the patriot act uh you know what did uh, you know obviously came very clear that it was 
you know, these dudes from Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and whatnot. Um, uh, so what did we do? We, 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 we uh, knee-jerk reaction with this, this very draconian piece of legislation that, that you couldn't undo without, you know, commensurate draconian legislative effort to repeal it. Um, but the one thing I did not like in that period of time was say the reorganization you had, you know, to, to create the Department of Homeland Security. Again, here's your little history thing. You go back 21 years and all this stuff is going on. And it, this seems to be the thing that is necessary to get us to function and, and to protect ourselves, to protect the homeland. Um, once it's in writing, in legislation, how do you undo it? And now you look at where do we stand with Department of Homeland Security and what they're doing today? Mm -hmm. You know, what was intended originally, what is being done today, I think are two very different things. So that's the danger in, uh, you know, this fog of war and making poor decisions, you know, uh, yes, it was stressful. Yes, it was um, hard. But even worse than that was to me, uh, the people that wrote that legislation, um, and I want to say Hillary Clinton, but I'm not sure if she was actually a senator at that point. I don't remember. I don't recall either. But... Um, the, you know, the folks that voted for several different things, not just that legislation. And then two, three years later, turned their back on, well, yeah, I vote. I didn't really vote for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we never held them accountable. Oh, yeah, you did. You voted for, here it is, X. And now, several years later, you're running for president and your position is something entirely <laughs> way out of whack with something you signed this anyway um that's that's one thing we don't do well is legislate under pressure i think um it, that, that has probably nothing to do with my books at all but that's just an editorial comment for my part just observation no. uh, we have to be very careful when we put things in in writing and sign it as law because you know this uh, this uh ir ira the uh, irs well no no the uh, oh the inflation reduction act. inflation reduction act i mean that's gonna uh, that's you, another one you know i mean that ain't that ain't that's... gonna make three years before you're gonna look at it and say what well, here's the, the numbers here's the dollars that we're spending you know here yeah. you know all this 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 bit about uh people under four hundred thousand dollars you know won't pay a cent <laughs> the, the ink hadn't even dried and you could already refute that so yeah uh, anyway that has nothing to do with anything um, no 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 it does interest me it does interest us all uh, that's why we want to choose wise uh people um to be part of our government you know with our consent what was the name of the program in Vietnam? Phoenix, Operation Phoenix. Um, 
right? The CIA-backed, uh, quote-unquote, terror program uh, by Doug Valentine. I've, I've interviewed him before. It's a great book. Um, but he talks about towards the end of the book, you know, what we had been doing and all the different like territories and towns and, you know, how we converted police station to, like, CIA hybrid centers. And we were working with the police and trying to, you know, find the names of the ringleaders and all that stuff. And he talks about, uh, towards the end of the book, one of the guys who had worked on Operation Phoenix uh, comes back, and it's right after 9-11 and uh, Department of Homeland Security, the fusion centers. And he said it was nearly a carbon copy of uh, of the tactics of uh, Operation Phoenix, which was used to quell a nation. And the guy, you know, some hardened intelligence official, uh, I mean, according to Valentine, when he interviewed him, was just tearing up and was like, Operation Phoenix has come home and like no one knows it. No one realizes what this is. Mm. And it's been 21 years. We've got DHS fusion centers, right? It's this state power. And as Dr. Federer, who wrote a great book on socialism, talks about, it's like a, it's like a socket wrench or something. He was like, government power, you can you can only crank it in one direction, but you can't undo it. Right, and it's well, you can undo it, but it the it's a it disproportionate. It's a lot. Yeah, vote vote yourself in, shoot yourself out, kind of thing. Right. And we're but seeing you, it now. You, you mentioned Phoenix. Um, if you read in the book you just read, "When Towers Fall," it's like on the fourth page. I'll just read the one sentence. Although he played a fire a fairly minor role, his maturity and balance intensity had been noticed by a former unit commander. Major General William Garrison, JSOC commander. Uh, Garrison was a Phoenix, um, a Phoenix, um, you know, grad or, mm-hmm. or alumni. That, yeah. um, he was a bad dude um, in a good way. He was just a bad Muldoon. Uh, his other, uh, and this is really, I had personal loyalty to this guy for other reasons, but um, uh, another, uh, one of the biggest reasons I really became a not, uh, a not Bill Clinton fan was the whole Somalia thing. Mm-hmm. But specifically uh, when uh, we pulled out of, Mogadishu and those 18 Rangers were killed. General Garrison was a JSOC commander, two star, and he was essentially relieved of command and, and sent out to pasture. Uh, so, and this is the guy, you know, under his command that said, Hey, we want AC 130 gunfire support, you know, one. And two, we don't want to be doing daylight raids. We want to be doing yeah. nighttime raids, yeah, et cetera. But he was hung out to dry, uh, and his career was ended. The interesting thing about Garrison was he was promoted below the below the zone to major, lieutenant colonel, colonel. He was the youngest ever in in the entire uh, history of the army, the youngest Fulbright colonel. Really. Because he'd been advanced, you know, and accelerated. The guy's fucking brilliant, yeah. is what it was. He's a bad dude, yes, but he was a brilliant, brilliant officer, brilliant man. 
uh, he's truly one of the best that, you know, that we've ever produced kind of people as far as military officers. And he, he, he got, you know, his career ended at two star. He ended up going to be the uh, commanding general of the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center School, SWIC. Um, and then he punched out, you know, from there. Uh, and, and if you watch the movie Black Hawk Down, one of the things in it that I really liked that I thought, you know, is totally ac accurate is Garrison always had an unlit cigar. Curtis, throwback to Curtis. You know, and, and he always had that in his hand, you know, and he, he never lit the damn thing up. Uh, he was a cool guy. Did LeMay ever light his? I had no idea. But and maybe maybe that's where he got it from. But that was kind of his trademark. LeMay was um, always chomping on one. Uh, no, LeMay did smoke them because there's a story of uh, him going to a flight line full of B-52s and like uh, there's like a leak and like the whole like hangar was full of uh, jet fuel and he's smoking a cigar. One of the guy goes, uh, he goes, General, you really can't smoke in here if that, you know, if an ember falls, this whole this whole row of planes is going to go up in flames. And LeMay looks at all the planes and he goes, they wouldn't dare. <laughs> I think that's a great line. Um, but to kind of pivot from the, the fog of war, it's easy to criticize it, Heinz. I'm no Biden fan. I'm very open about that. Um, and I'm t on, on one hand, I'm a 32 year old that's never seen a day of combat. So, uh, my, my opinion on, uh, geopolitics means fuck all. On one hand, I have just your your normal human tugs at your heart, right? You see people in Ukraine, just average Joes like me, just getting fucked. I, I was lucky I was born in the United States and I have an education. Parents are still married, ha had a wonderful upbringing. Some people got to roll the dice where they've been in Ukraine. On one hand, we just got out of a 20-year occupation. I interviewed last summer a guy who was... uh uh at Kabul Air Base, lost several of his friends. And I go, why are we getting involved in this? This isn't this isn't unique. As Dale Comstock, the Delta guy, always says, we are the warring ape. It will never end. It's been going on since the pyramids. It will continue to starships. It will go on forever. This isn't our beef. And I get that. And I feel that. It's, you know, I'm not sending, I don't have kids, but I'm not sending my son. I'm not going over there. So it's easy for me to say, oh, we should help him. On the other hand, I look at it as more, I look at it from more of a, an abstract point of view of the world is watching, just like they watched us uh, pull out of Somalia, just like bin Laden watched us. And maybe that the value of this isn't necessarily helping Ukraine, but it's more of a symbolic, we will be there in one form of another, either through, fun and again, I'm not, I personally am not for us being involved in Ukraine. I don't give a shit. But from what you just said about Somalia, really in the last 20 minutes, I've kind of rechanged my opinion. It might be well, important. I, I, I hate to say, um, read the next book. All right. The Baltic Chain. All right. Uh, in which, again, you know, you're going back in time, if you will, or, you know, these events are occurring real time in in our past, right? So, I mean, these things are happening 2009 2010 2011 whatever the next book um so i introduced the idea 
in When Towers Fall. One, the warlock guy. And then I start kind of peeling back who are our enemies, who are the enemies of the United States. And I introduce the idea, and I think I make a pretty good case, Turkey and Erdogan. Not really Turkey so much as specifically Erdogan. You know, and then that's kind of how, that's how things unfold, you know, there. But the point in the book really is there is collusion at the very least uh, between Turkey and Russia in, in, in the in the uh, construct of this Turk stream, you know, like Nord Stream, but Turk stream um, that goes under the Black Sea. Uh, um, so, I mean, so you got a Turkey-Russia little thing going on. And we're, I'm trying to put a wedge between these two countries so they don't get too friendly. That's the whole idea of the operation. That's small scale kind of unconventional warfare. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the big stuff to Ukraine in a minute. So the next book, I turn my sight on really for the most part Russia, you know, via Syria, etc. But I start doing direct action, small scale direct action in the Donbass mm-hmm. area or Tartus, Syria, which if you remember when Syria became an issue, the Obama administration said, well, hey, you know, here's the deal. If, if uh, Assad uses chemical war, you know, chemical warfare, you know, gloves are off. Red, yeah, red line in the sand. Red line. Red line in the sand, and he did not. I mean, it was days later. You know, they're dropping these fifty-five gallon drums full of, I don't know, Sarah, whatever, BX. bad shit. Um, and we did nothing. While that's going on, you know, we're saying hey, the guy's using you know weapons of mass destruction that includes chemical stuff, not just nukes. And, you know, all the, you know, the carries of the world, whatever the State Department kind of folks and, um, you know, the solution for them was, well, let's have Russia negotiate uh, the, 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 the evacuation of chemical weapons out of Syria. Just think about that. We're going to let Russia negotiate that and manage that. In that process, Russia also got control of a port on on the Med, the very west of Syria, called Tartus. They still do. So Russia gets a little foothold in Tartus on the Med, you know, directly beneath NATO flank, you know, technically Turkey. Um, And that, you know, was kind of an eye-opener. We did nothing in Syria at the time when we could have. We, 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 we let it go too far, and it was already over by the time we did get involved. But that's neither here nor there. We took no action. We were, it was all about inaction. It was all about, can't really get involved in this because I have re-election coming up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so in the Baltic chain, the warlock says, okay, we're going to start fucking with Russia now. And we're going to spread them so thin 
that they they just can't see straight. So we're doing things in TARDIS, and I think it's Latvia, is the air head, the airport in Syria that that Russia has access to, all on the west side, and also in the Donbass and Crimea as well as just a little bit going on in Georgia. So, I mean, I, the, I get all this kind of stuff going on, but the, the target is Russia. That's unconventional warfare, very, 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 very small, small scale. I'm just going to bleed these guys with a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to what you were saying with, what are we doing today in Ukraine? Well, we've decided to do what we did in Afghanistan in 1979 with Stinger missiles, very low game. cost times 8,500,000. <laughs> yeah, it's a big new Brzezinski. <laughs> you know, the, the 50, you know, I think we're at about 60 billion that's publicly known. Uh, and it's probably more than that. Probably so way a, more than that. a good chunk of money, American treasure. Um, and, and, you know, technically you could, you, you could make a, you can make an argument that based on my books and uh, I'm a special forces guy, I'm an advocate for unconventional, proxy mm-hmm. war you can make that argument uh but what we're doing in in ukraine um is is kind of you know that's total super big league um as far as the doctrinal idea of what is supposed to be a fairly discreet effort you know fairly small it's not covert you know um, it's not covert at all well i mean you know it it is kind of sort of not really but um and, and this is one of those things again you could say i'm an advocate of it just because of my background but i have to say still there's two things one we're a country 30 trillion dollars in debt i don't know if this is the wise thing to do uh but at the same time go back to what i said earlier we we've made obligations to our allies and the recognition that without a fucking doubt, Russia, they ain't on our team. Of course. You know, they're bad guys. I really don't want Russia to renegotiate JCPOA, but they are. Um, so Russia is my enemy. That's pretty clear when you read the Baltic chain. When I look at that little slice of it, and I kind of, uh, you know, I understand there was this color war stuff going on, yada yada, but I'm still kind of you got to make a choice. Who 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 you gonna, who you going to stack behind? Am I going to support Russia or am I going to support Ukraine? Even you know as corrupt as Ukraine is, and they've got this yeah. Azad and they're Nazi, yeah, Nazi fucking thing going on. Yeah, but still in the very big picture of things, they're they're the better guy than Russia. Or or you could just flat out say we're not going to get involved at all. Yeah. And of course, you know, then there's going to be some kind of genocide. So, you, you know, the president is skewered on, you know, this, there's no good, there's no bad. No matter what he does, at least 50% of the country is going to say bad things. But in this case, you know, and I can only say that today after this weekend, where you see a turn of events with this uh, Ukrainian offensive and a, a, a large salient of russian stuff is collapsing now you're seeing now you're maybe you're seeing success with all this munitions and stuff that we've given sure. but it's still it, it ain't over yet we, we had a discussion this morning you know 
you know, there's a whole lot of different things that could go on. Winter is still coming. Uh, yada, yada. So, um, you know, and that, you know, that kind of was the point between when towers fall, when, when I'm, I'm cutting these natural gas pipelines, or I'm, I'm, I'm interdicting them to the point where I can just fuck around with billing to make someone think that they're being shorted. Hey, I'm supposed to receive a hundred barrels. And I only got 93. Where's my seven, you know, Yeah. just to create conflict between these countries. I uh, turn up the volume a little bit more in the Baltic chain and I flat out state Russia. The only reason why they have power is because of their oil money leverage they have. And, you know, I wrote this stuff way before. Now you're seeing, hey, look what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and, and Germany. We're going to do sanctions in Germany you know, is I think something about like 90% reliant on, on Russian oil. They have made such foolish decisions in Germany over the last couple decades. Um, you know, they've shut down all their nuclear stuff and all their coal stuff and they're 100% reliant. But either way, I, I, I make some, some adjustments in, in the Baltic chain, um, but you know the target, without a doubt, 100% is is Russia, uh, and you'll see how that's handled in a fun way. I'm I'm kind of with you on, yeah. I mean, the idea that Ukraine is some innocent child is oh, no. is, is beyond oh, no. naive, um, or, or specifically, probably Zelensky himself. Zelensky, maybe, maybe not that. Yeah. No, sure, not the average. Yeah, not the average. The average Joe is just like unlucky roll dice. They didn't grow up in suburban Atlanta and get like I like I had I have a wonderful life. Um, but there's also something important about if you want to be the hegemon, you have to. You're also picking up slack in ways that that others don't. Right? It's like. Um, there's like the story of this guy that some football player that went to hang out with like Tom Brady, Tom Brady invited him. They're on different teams. It was the off season. He's like, I never actually got to meet him and talk to him. And he's like, so I thought we were going to his house and we we're just going to, you know, shoot the shit, maybe watch some like video. And he goes, you know, so I show up and he's like, I'm in like my Gucci shirt and like my jeans. And he was like, and I ruined them because we were in Brady's backyard of his mansion and he we, he was just ha- running plays with me, like throwing lasers, like bruising my hands, screaming at me. And he was like, it was like a beautiful 70 degree Saturday. And he was like, he was like, catch the fucking ball. And he was like, Jesus Christ. And it's like, was he trying to recruit him to come to the Patriots? I don't know. I don't know if he was feeling him out. But what the guy said is he's like, oh, he doesn't turn it off. And I look at it as like funny because I'm kind of a psychopath with work ethic. But it's also like, that's what comes with it. You don't get to, you know, they said Michael Jordan so competitive that he used to be on like the bulls plane and uh he'd take bets and said he's also addicted to gambling whose whose baggage would come out of the right carousel first right and then he would get off the plane first and go pay off like the airport workers to make sure his came out first there's a guy worth a billion dollars and it's there are some drawbacks right to be the to be the monster to be the, the ace it also comes with like Hey, he also doesn't know how to turn it off and th- and those drawbacks. So to be America, you know, America, fuck yeah, you know, all memes aside, 
it also means that in a wildly unpopular thing like Russia, Ukraine, how about neither? That's fine, but you're not going to be America. You're going to be fucking Norway. Nothing against Norway. I've never been there. I'm sure it's cool or not. I don't fucking know. Maybe they're a bunch of pedophiles. I don't know. The point is, is you have to get involved in things that maybe you don't want to be involved in. If you want to be Tom Brady, you want to have seven Super Bowl rings. You yeah. also throw lasers on a Saturday and scream at someone you've never met before. Maybe you have to go in and you have to send 60. And I don't know, but maybe you have to send $60 billion. Maybe you have to give them stingers and Carl Gustavs and whatever. I, I, you, you know, again, we're, we're going to kind of, and when I say we're going to see what happens, what I really mean probably is let's say Russia collapses this offensive, yada, yada, you know, and they pull out and really that could happen between today and, you know, the, the U S election in 2024. Yeah. Uh, really is, is what I'm the context I'm putting it in. Uh, and, and then we're just going to hear endless crowing of the great strategies of this particular president, yada, yada, yada. And, and, and whereas it was, uh, not really going swimmingly at one point, he turned it around. So it, it'll become a political uh, nightmare. From the, I, I'm, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm torn. You know, uh, I, I do happen to kind of believe in unconventional warfare. My books are pretty, pretty clear on that. But, yeah. but there's a level of scale, uh, and, and my, all my stuff is, is very covert type stuff. It's all non-attributional. Uh, it's none of this, you know, this stuff yeah. that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's totally different. Anyway, we're talking apples and oranges. Um, but um, the the broader context I look at the whole thing is Russia is not our friend. They are grasping for power, and they're doing so probably at the behest of China. So. Um, it's something we have to address, you know, maybe it's a $60 billion solution. I don't know. Uh, but I do know this, I, I, I would say whatever we have done, uh, probably again, at the big level scales and effective, um, you know, the original sanctions where we cut off Russian oil from whatever, all that shit just ended up in India and China as far as oil. So, so Russia's still making bank. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're still making a lot of money on natural gas and oil. So there, there's kind of a failure, number one. Um, and, and again, the point I'm making probably mostly in Baltic chain is, you know, Russia is a power because of natural gas and oil, period. Um, now, they do have other things. They have stuff like gold. You know, they have a, a real large bunch of gold. Uh, and I think they have uranium also. Physical, you know, the physical or uranium. So they do have resources, um, but either way, uh, you know, pulling a stunt like I make the point uh, in the Baltic chain. You know, the the stuff that Russia did against Georgia uh, in no South Ossetia, uh, and they did against the Donbas and Crimea, you know, the annexation of Crimea during the Obama's administration. Again, I mean, just it didn't really take a rocket scientist. And, and that was like, what, 2011, Four. something like that. Uh, uh, it was 14. You know, just very short. Yeah, it was 2014. But it's so shortly after the, the line in the sand with Syria, 
you know, was, yeah, I think you're right, it was after the elections of 2014. Um, and then, uh, you know, hey, this whole thing in Crimea, yeah, you're going to get a free pass on that too. Those things have consequence. And, and you knew it was going to then. You know, you knew that, well, that's not really a good precedent to set because Russia is aching to go, you know, west, expand west. Um, and as you saw in, in, in Brian of War, um, it's also in Africa. So the bad guy in the Baltic chain, without any doubt, is Wagner Group. And then you saw that once again in Brian of War. Uh, some of the so, some of the books is very clear who the, the the small bad, like you said in the last time we talked, you know the big bad the big is bad. China. The big bad might be in, in in one book Russia, you know the big big bad. Um, you know there, there, there's price we could talk forever, and this is just one. You know we haven't even talked about the Middle East. We haven't even talked about what's going on in South America. I mean. It, Pretty, pretty, pretty complicated stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on. Do you think never mind that, domestic? You know, fucking microphone's coming undone. Um, yeah, I mean, I always have to, I have to be careful because you know, for like four years, I made fun of people that were just rabid at the mouth and who screamed about what Trump did, no matter what it was. And I was well, just still like, doing that. Yeah, and I was just like, it's a total. <laughs> Sorry, this is bothering me. It's just and, a total and, lot. What was bad about that? In some cases, they were absolutely right. It was justified. Yeah, I mean, but, but when you scream nonstop, it doesn't go through. Yeah, and um, pick your battles. Yeah, and so, and I always laughed at that. I'm like, you, you don't have like, you're not even having coherent, independent thoughts. It's just orange man bad. And in a weird way, they became more devout supporters of them than anybody else. Because whereas a supporter might say, yeah, I don't like that part. All they do is instinctually say they I want the opposite of what Trump says. Well, how long until Trump just starts saying the opposite of what he wants? And now well, you are his most. And, you know, and, uh, and here's the thing about history. They can just point back to when Trump came on board, he undid whatever Obama did. Yeah. And it, all we're going to get, and, and you know, I'm not I'm not taking a position here or there is finger pointing. And well, they did so. It's like, you know, the two brothers broke, you know, well, he poked me first. Yeah. Well, he poked me. Well, you know, eventually, you know, the adults have to kind of take charge and say, okay, you know, we're going to stop that and we're going to we're going to proceed forward. But um, uh, to 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 branch from that though, so the reason I say that is is I have to be aware of myself. And am I opposing this? because it's happening during the Biden administration, I have to have some awareness. Or when do I oppose this being what? Any, X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have to look at it and go, if Trump came out and said, we're adding 87,000 new, I would like to think, I would say, no, fuck that. But I don't know, because I'm a human and my own lenses are flawed and, and fogged. So you said... um you know, let's say it's 2024, let's say Russia collapses and there, it's going to be, oh, Biden's tactic was was brilliant. Would they be wrong? If, Again, if not... we, we don't really know. Sure. Um, it, I'll make it even worse. There's a, there's a guy on Twitter um, I follow and he is a an economist kind of guy. He's a really smart business person. Um, 
and in one of his things on, on a, a private chat sort of deal, he asserted to our little group, he said, well, you know, I hate to say it, but I think, you know, we're going to have inflation down to about 3% 2024. And I said, just in time for the election, you tell me you really, you think it's going to drop down to 3%? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I, and I just sat there and I was like, God, I can, you know, and, and there, there is a natural rise and fall of all these things, right? I mean, there, there's this cyclical nature, you know, uh, and, and obviously all that stuff is debatable and what have you. But um, I do think it will fall from the 8, 9, 10% that it was. Um, it's just going to, ha- I mean, if we were at 10% inflation from this June until 2024, I, I would tell you we probably would cease to exist to be a functioning nation. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we we just we would be crushed. We would be crumbling. So it's it would, you know, reduce to some degree. You know, maybe eight, maybe seven, even as just say six. You know, six percent inflation. Uh, it's not trifling if you're paying a mortgage or whatever, um, food bills but it ain't 10, 11, 12. And even that, you're gonna have a candidate saying, you know, the, the IRA knocked inflation down four, five points, six points. We dropped, you know, look, look at today's look Twitter. Yeah. Look at today's Twitter. We have dropped the gasoline prices from, not, they don't say from to what, but gasoline prices have dropped in the last six weeks. 97 cents, you know, whatever, whatever the numbers are, all very convenient little arguments at that little speck of time. Uh, so that's, you know, we'll see what happens with this Russian whatever. Uh, and again, that that's great. That's great. We're still at $30 trillion debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's still, there's still absolutely a lot of work that has to be done. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's. It seems like maybe us aiding Ukraine is on. Like I said earlier, it's like if you want to be the hegemon, if you want to be the 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 big dick player, you gotta you have to be involved. But it's also, in a sense, you could argue that there's street cred, right? It's European countries are going. Oh, America does show up. Taiwan's going, oh, America will show up, right? You could maybe even argue, and I don't believe this, but, you know, it's a bit devil's advocate. You could maybe even say we're really trying to show up in Ukraine because we fumbled the withdrawal from the Middle East so poorly. I don't know. But maybe you just can't not be involved. To 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 not be involved either shows that you're unable to be involved or unwilling, and that's fine if you're just some random country, but if you want to hold the position that we've held, you maybe have to be involved. Well, and, and the only caveat to that I I'd say um, is whatever course that you take, it must be deliberate and it must be articulated to the American people and follow through. Yeah. Like you said, you know, don't know. You so, don't... so if we did reverse course, I mentioned earlier, just, you know, Pakistan is, or, 
pick a place, um, you know, based on the, these specified priorities, boom, 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 we're going to reduce our presence, you know, whatever monetary presence really at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and there, there was at a point in time, the United States just had implicit clout. They just, if they breathed, if they said anything, people listened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's diminishing. Uh, and that may be the case, whatever, maybe it is, but it is, it's essential that, again, this is me to what I would, how would I manage all this is, is to determine the absolute priorities. These things we have to do now, these things, dun, 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 dun. and that means that this, this, and this, and this, we're, we're not pursuing deliberately because they're not in that top level tier. Yeah, I kind of make that point in Brian of War. You know, we have fallen so far behind on these rare earths or lithium uh, uh, mining that how can we pursue a radical green agenda in the United States predicated on resources that we don't control? Yeah. You know, we're just putting money into the Bank of China. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if if we did uh, determine that, hey, we're not going to go into Ukraine, that would require a very stringent effort to, for an analysis, because eventually you would have to present it to the American people and to the world. We are not going to get involved in Ukraine for the following reasons. Boom, 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 boom. I, but what I'm saying is, and I'm hoping I don't sound like I'm contradicting myself, is, you know, at, you know, one of the data points is there $30 trillion in debt. That's like way up there in the assumption. That's right, you know, way up there. Um, that's a consideration that is, is very high. Yada, yada. You can make a case. You can make a case that now is not the time for the United States to take a lead in, you know, da, 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 da. Uh, we've said it before. You didn't listen to us. Europe, you're on your own, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but part of, you know, say Trump did kind of say that so many words. He said, hey, NATO, if yeah. you countries don't pay your 2% as is specified in your obligation of the treaty, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to ding you. Yeah. In the United States, we're not paying everything. And then you extrapolate you that even further and just say, you know, this, this Ukraine thing until they go over the Article 5 threshold trip, you know, it's not NATO business. It's not my problem. A lot of, there's a lot of sticky, sticky, sticky issues out there. And that's what being a president is. I mean, they, they're supposed to make the decisions on all these things. Uh, it ain't an easy job. I, I have no idea why anyone would want the job. I don't give, I don't, care what party i don't care i mean yeah that is a hard job but if you're committed to certain ideals or whatever and you have a plan a comprehensive plan of all the stuff you know maybe it is green energy you know whatever it is and you lay that out there and, and you know this is the plan you know and 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 pursue it okay great uh i i'm not sure 
uh, it, it would seem to me that if you're pursuing a green energy plan, whatever, when you look at the dollars involved, and then something like Ukraine pops up, you'd say, well, that's really not in my plan, and I can't really, I can't really adjust around it, you know, responsibly, uh, without incurring another six, seven trillion dollars of debt. Yeah. Uh, so my decision is predicated on the, 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 you know, and this is where we are. Yeah, you know, that was December, January of last year. Yeah. So uh, Eisenhower, stuff. Eisenhower said to JFK, I think the day before his inauguration, he said only the tough decisions get to you. You get if it's an easy softball, some senator or secretary is going to take it for their own political clout. Sure. He's like you sure. get the. You get the shit where there's no winning, right? And, and it's, <laughs> it's you're, you know, and, and that's part of the job. And yeah, have, it's you have to have the character, and and to a degree, Joe Biden does. I'm going to yeah. do this thing, you, and and I I may not like it, but that is his it position. Is, is and he's there carrying? Go. Yeah, he's picking up whether you like him or not. He is picking up all the fucking mud and the pig shit that nobody wants to touch. Some things. That's, I mean, the, there have been things that that he has just not. Yeah, I sure, sure. Bobbled, and, and as did Trump, as did Bush, as did I mean, yeah, they all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a tough job. I, I, I it's not a job I want. I just want to be the warlock, man. Yeah, I just want to be. I just want to. I just want to be in a wave to USAP and just sit back and pull the strings and just <laughs> detachment, just go through it all and just do what needs to be done. What I'm really hoping is, you know, say ten years from now, some historical genius type reads these books you know you know knowing that they're 10 years old and the things that i say and then with with the activities that actually happened in that period of time he he could go back and say okay if we really did x that we did in when towers fall this is what would have happened <laughs> yeah just slay me probably yeah uh and particularly when, when you when you start stacking each of the books and the the uh you know the covert activity in one is followed by two or three and the next is followed by two or three and then you know when you add all those up you know uh you know what you know would i have put the world in recession when you get the boom slang gambit you'll see what i mean but it's fiction, so I I I can do that. You can do whatever you want. The yeah. stuff is it's pretty plausible, uh, as it is written um, from a tactical point of view. Now, the actual consequence of doing these things, I, you know, when I when I look at when towers fall and Baltic chain combined, in my mind, um, I think we would have prevented the actual war that we're in in Ukraine. And when you get to that, you might. You might, might agree. You uh, might not. Well, maybe <clears throat> we could do. <clears throat> excuse me. We could do a little thought exercise and say, if we had, maybe there's some guy looking back and right now in 2022 looking back, almost like you just said, man, if we had done X, Y, and Z, we wouldn't be here. Maybe there's a calculation of going. All right. Well, that's that's in the past. We can't change it. How do we shift now? Right. There might be a calculation that says, hey. $200 billion to Ukraine is has a high likelihood of preventing a $2 trillion cold war with Russia. It, it might be that we might be taking the most yeah. frugal route. I have no idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think, I mean, we've taken, uh, you know, a course of action we are pursuing, thinking it's a right thing. Um, and it is definitely, it's, it could go either way. Yeah. And, I mean, to look at it right now and conclude it's absolutely wrong. Uh, you really can't. You now, can't, you now, can't. now yeah. I can conclude it can be challenged, but I can conclude we cannot afford it. Oh, sure. Trillion dollars in debt. Oh, sure. I mean, and, and that could be a very callous thing to say in the context of people dying over there, all that, all that good stuff. Um, but I mean, I, I, I could defend that position just based on the money, you know, just based on what I would consider our national interests. And, and then, then you start adding, you know, we do, we did the sanction, we did all this kind of stuff. It is very difficult to say whether or not Putin and Xi long time ago kind of war gamed this whole thing out and said, hey, if we do X, X being invade Ukraine, what do you think the United States is going to do? Or what is the West going to do? And then Xi's like, well, well, uh, what's fucking Putin's first name? Vlad. Vlad. Well, Vlad, you know, I think, uh, you know, Europe will sit around with their thumb up our ass and they'll expect the Americans to just do everything. Okay. And then, you know, you know what they're going to do? They're going to do sanctions. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, what can, what can we do? Well, you know, if they do sanctions, well, you know, we can try to uh, do all the oil trade, not on the dollar denomination. I tell you what, Mr. Putin, as, as the guy in China, Xi, I'll buy oil from you in Yuan. What do you think about that? Hey, that sounds good. You know, I, I, <laughs> this, you know, what we did um, is the playbook that started getting written probably, you know, at least in the 90s, maybe before. It's very, um, you, you know, it's coming. Yeah. We have a playbook and we just we pull it out every time and we go check. Okay, what's next? Check, check, check. <laughs> so um, I would just say, you know, my books, I, I, I don't adhere to that playbook. Uh, the whole idea is everything is done preemptively. So we're not reacting. Everything we do is a, is a reaction to someone else's stuff. And, and, and the real world, when we do react, it's very, very predictable. Uh, and it, it really, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Xi and Putin sat down and said, well, if they do such and such, what do you think about, you know, yeah, kicking the dollar denomination to the curb for oil, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, my stuff is fiction. Um, some of it's kind of based on reality, what have you, or maybe wishful thinking, thinking of, Hey, I think we, we should do X, um, but hell, you know, it is entertaining. That's that's at least that. Maybe the whole thing is, I don't know, maybe this is being set up to to throw negative light on the Belt and Road Initiative. Maybe it's like, hey, remember when Trump said that Russia was gonna turn off Nord Stream and you laughed and then he did? Might be like, hey, don't nobody participate in Belt and Road Initiative because they're gonna fuck you too. I don't know doesn't seem that that I tell you, the, 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 the only problem with that is it's when you're a very, very poor con- country. 
you don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's very compelling. You can't care. It's compelling. Absolutely and, and, but, is. Particularly if, if there's corruption. Like, yeah. I, don't give, I don't give a shit if, if we're going to... Fucking very low ocean. I don't care. Give it to me. Right. So um, that really is, that is a very seductive proposal uh, for, for Xi to go into uh, Sri Lanka and build a port. Yeah. Uh, and, and you'll see that in Boomslang Gambit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, they don't, they don't give a shit. It's you having stuff that you can't have. We don't have streetlights. Now, the, now the, the irony is, you know, the United States or USAID has done this sort of thing, but perhaps not to the to the level that China has. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't know the dollar. I mean, I know we've spent a lot of money, but it's been, you know, on wells so they can drink pure water. China's like, I don't fucking give a shit if they're drinking parasites you know yeah, I, yeah. I want them to have a port so i can take all their yeah their their copper ore out of their and, and put on the port ship it to me so i can make stuff and make money yeah um they're 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 quite ruthless there's no doubt we 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 do not match them in in that regard um because we're the good guys the unfortunate thing is we really don't get a lot of credit for being the good guys. Yeah. So in, in my that, books, I'm not such a good guy in, in certain Maybe things. it's, maybe the whole price of being the good guy, maybe there actually is a value to it. No one would suspect warlocky activities. America's well, the good guys. They, they'll fucking pick up the tab. Maybe so they'll never expect it. Yeah, you know, we are getting... Um, people taking advantage of us, but, yeah. but there is, there is, you know, a, a have to see something positive. People are still coming here. That's when they leave is... Uruguay, when they leave Chad, you know, whatever, they still want to come here. Well, that's what I was going to say is so, maybe it's, maybe it's doe eyed and naive and maybe I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but there is a reason that if you're going to leave, you're going to one place and one place only. But, but but the bad side of that is say back in the 50s, 60s, maybe seventies, um, people left communist countries because they were being repressed. Yeah. Now there were people in, in our country in the United States that that doubted that as being, they're like, Oh no, no, no. Communism is, you know, it's not that bad. You know, people left, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, you know, all these places uh, because they were being repressed by a a Soviet Union type thing. And they came here because they knew we were free. Again, that's the good side. So so go forward 20, 40, you know, whatever years. Um, People are coming here for a different reason. They're coming here because they think they're going to get entitlements in a free ride that's true as well. that's not quite so desirable that's true you know that yes they are coming here because they're going to get a free ride and that is not really where we want to be yeah um if their motivation is just coming here for for entitlement money that's that's not the way to go we don't we don't really want that yeah but yeah i don't know I don't know. I've, uh, as always, I'm more confused at the end than I was at the beginning. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know if people listen to these entire podcasts, but let's 
let's just talk about what you thought about the book specifically, just just the book itself without without the context of kind of stuff we everything else. Yeah. Well, I'm you know, I'm I'm in love with I'm in love with the warlock. I'm in love with the idea of a hidden hand. Um, you know, the the Stoli selection, going into Delta, all that good stuff. That's fine. The Stuxnet was dope. But more than anything, I, I kind of the most attractive thing to me is the idea of a warlock. That kind of steals the show for me. Is well, that's good. I, I'm I'm pleased because that's what it is. That's what it is. It's a I great mean, that, book. That, but... that certainly is distinctive. You know, probably from from other uh, offerings out there. It yeah, is certainly different uh, in the context of um, you know. I, I make again. You know, some of the some of some of it is training, if you will, for you the reader. You know, I'm talking about Title 10 versus Title 50 15, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, you, some people would will learn. You know, you know, what does the CIA do? What makes them distinctly different? Yeah, from the and then yeah. and then extrapolate beyond that. You say, never mind, never mind CIA with its covert. You know, Charter. based on a presidential finding, you get a covert authorization blah 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 is there really a need to go beyond i mean that's the whole idea with the warlock you get the jrtf joint uh reconnaissance task force which is another kind of tier player you know like a delta like a seal team six um and then you have this warlock dude who basically and it's extra judicial it's you know the tier, only thing that stops zero. him from being a total madman is his his personal integrity and and um you know his personal integrity um i i did have a a reader uh post their review on when towers fall, fall uh just this weekend uh a very short succinct thing he says the author takes you behind the scenes and it gives you hope to think that there are people out there with honor and integrity. You know, that was his thing. It's just thoroughly enjoyed. And then um, on my tweet, you know, to the world, I stated, um, sometimes it's satis it is satisfying as an author to read such a wonderful yet insightful review. You know, um, of course, I do that. The page refreshes and fucking moves. Uh, but, I, but I say, yes. We do have such people with integrity in this still great country. Rest easily, America. The warlock will find them and put them to task. But it, it's to me, any writer, I'm sure, it's interesting what people will get out of a book. You you kind of seize on the idea of the warlock. You like that? You know, there's going to be other people that. Again, I'm waiting for the review where the guy gives me a one star and he's like, Oh, stupid bastard. You know, you did this, you'd put the world into recession and, you know, there'd be global famine. And, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for, you know, some, someone to, to refute any of the things and say, this is impossible. But, you know, because yeah. there's people out there like that. There's the people that watch star Wars and they're like, well, wait a minute. No, Luke couldn't say that because of the, <laughs> and they go into this long thing about uh, whatever. If, there's a guy who was in, I think, FBI HRT, Christopher Whitcomb, became an author. 
and I read his book in 2007 when I was in high school. Well, well, called, well, okay, go ahead. It's called Black. It's just about black ops. And then there's there's a sequel called White. And that is this a fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. I mean, but okay. very, very, very like yours. It's a very it's almost a Tom Clancy esque like do you know this shit? Like kind of thing. It's I don't know a damn thing, man. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, a writer. Yeah, 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 tell it tell yeah. Um but he, if I recall, it's been 15 years. I've been meaning to reread them. Uh, I've tried to get them on the podcast. can't get in touch with them. But there's, if I recall, there is a, like, Warlockian figure in the private sector who kind of does shit, doesn't ask anyone. And he's, like, a deeply moral, flawed, flawed person. But he's kind of, pull, it's, like, the black ops to the black ops. It's, like... Mm. CIA does its own thing with that DOD. I I, I have because people have asked me, hey, you gonna write something, you know, domestic, you know, a warlock for domestic. And I'm like, dude, you know, our domestic issues are so so ugly. I ain't gonna touch that. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know. I, if I, I just I really want to avoid that. Um. I really do. I just want yeah, to no, that. I don't. I don't think the warlock can. I think the whole idea of the warlock is, is he wouldn't even be bogged down by domestic issues. It's more of an international player, and that's well, what. I, and, it, again, as you kind of roll through the books, it, I, I, I'm not as burdened by those things. Like I'll tell you, Wind Towers Fall is is the lower tier of all of them as far as intensity and mm-hmm. you know, cool factor. Um, risk. Um, they start cranking up considerably as you get down the chain, and you read the last one. Um, but you know, you know, part of part of it is these things are necessary because we have done nothing. We have done nothing effective to deter these things from from coming around. Um. Uh, so now you know, the warlock comes out of out of mothballs and, and he does his thing and he only comes out on these really big issues that he can you know make an impact on yeah uh, it, yeah it is kind of inter- I had a different uh, reviewer make a comparison to the book Dune which I haven't read, but I did watch the latest movie uh, with Timothy. I wear a dress, um, Chamolet, whatever his name is. I don't know. I have no idea. He, he's an. I think he's French, but he's an actor, and he was just on some, uh, you know, some red carpet event, and he was one of these guys wearing a dress, kind of. I, I unplug. Thing. I unplug from it all. Yes, you know, I can understand why. I don't. But, know. Yeah. Anyway, so the the movie is very good, but there's this. Um, I think it's Benny Jesserit. There's an like an almost like a religious order. That's kind of is kind of like the warlock. So they're behind the scenes and all kinds of stuff. They're not part of the government, but they they influence greatly. And he said, you know, I read your book, and I, you know, it reminds me of Clancy. 
because of, you know, just kind of the scope of stuff. And it reminds me of Dune because of this Bene Gesserit. And I, I read the review. I'm like, I have no fucking idea what he's talking about. What's the hell? So I, I looked at the Wikipedia site, you know, specifically for, you know, Dune. And I said, okay, there's that thing, Bene Gesserit. Click on that little link. And what, you know, what's all that about? And then the, when they, it, it's described and I was like, yeah, that, that's. So, so, yeah, I guess I'm not the first guy that probably thought of this sort of thing. Well, I like your fiction. Um, Mike, well, we, hey, we've been running for almost two hours, so I said let's yeah. wrap this one up. Uh, I'll absolutely do the the next book. I'd love to keep talking to you, man. You're a cool fucking guest. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think, I think you know, the next one you'll like, um, it starts, you know, I start ratcheting the pain. Uh, start ratcheting the pain. Uh, it, book three probably is you really start seeing the good stuff. So I think you'll enjoy that one if you – and and you got you already get to the end of the chain, you know. Brian O'War is is pretty pretty uh, explicit and intense yeah. in its <laughs> in its madness, but you know, I think it's fucking awesome. I think, uh, yeah, and I do still think that you need a, a a you do need to flesh out a little more of the background of the warlock. Well, that's uh, I've been given a lot of thought. Um, you know, to that timeline, I still, I think we mentioned the last time, I think the guy's age is going to predicate he's going to be Vietnam vet. Yeah. But I think I will throw into that actual Vietnam vet his trainers, you yeah. know, his influencers. So that does get me back to World War II because yeah. there's there's definitely some things I want to uh, kind of pull out. Uh, and again, my experience in these type of uh, uh organizations is they'll they'll say you know they're looking for a certain cut of cloth uh it's it you know it is the absolute individual person they're looking at when they select someone um because he meets a very specific set of attributes uh and it and it's all about character and and that's why the first book it's all about John Prescott. It's all about, you know, who he is and what, you know, why is he like this? So you get this glimpse of this guy's entire life, his professional life. Um, Cause this stuff matters. And just like, like this gentleman, Tim uh, wrote in his, in his review, you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad that perhaps he or anyone else feels that way that they, they actually think that there aren't people like this in the United States of America. There are, I'm telling you people out there listening, they're out there. Um, and there, excuse me, there are some very, very good people still in this country. Uh, we need to recognize that, um, and, and have some faith. Uh, you know, you can see what we're going through right now is dark times, you know, could be the worst, could be, you know, somewhere near the worst, could be nowhere, nowhere near the worst. Uh, but it, but it's probably not optimal, I guess, is, is you know, I would certainly say. And there's, there, there's, there's one way out of this and, and it's through, uh, the people around you, the Americans around you, uh, you know, someone will take charge. And then someone will follow and will make the right decisions 
uh, as a nation, you know, collectively, eventually, this will just spin and spin and spin and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and we'll come back, you know, we'll come back because we're Americans. And, and it, is, it is just as simple as that. It really is. It's, we'll get back. We will. I mean, if I've seen it in my own life from being in perfect shape, 4.0 student, getting into medical school, spoken hot girlfriend, to. Yeah, I, I had all that stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> to, to well right 4.0. after uh, right after call i mean i scored in the 95th point six percentile in the mcat scored in the 99th percentile getting into pharmacy school I published research in aquatic toxicology all before i was 23 i lost a brother to suicide and when i was in april 2014 then i gained about 70 pounds got on a bunch of drugs was unemployed for several years became a real piece of shit had to move home to my parents' house and basically relearn how to live like an adult. And now I, where I am now, self-employed, podcast, making its own money, paying its own rent, working out every day, sober, working my hardest, saving money, taking on responsibility, trying to be the best person I can, trying to never blame anyone for anything. I came back. And everyone can. Everyone if I, can. If Absolutely. I can, if I can, this this fucking country can. I mean, and and the, you know that mindset. I mean, when I I hear you say that, and I, and I do think you know George Bush, stay the course. You know, Win, Winston Churchill. You, if you find you yourself know, in hell, keep walking. You have to be. You personally are responsible, and you have to be committed. It ain't gonna happen unless you commit to making those changes. Yeah. And, and the only thing I, I would, I, I do want to just, uh, a funny point out of, out of One Tower's Fall, the book we were talking about to some degree. Um, chapter 14, I'm talking about this guy, Ensign Stu Hogan. It's actually the name of a person I grew up with who, who, who was a runner. Um, the name is Stu Hogan. But the character, when they're talking about the guy being at the all-male jock dorm Oak Hall at University of Maine, Orono, um, that whole paragraph is, is a real person. I won't say his name, uh, but it's a real person. Uh, the guy was the most squared away fucking guy I've ever met in my life. He literally got a 3.8 in a dual major of chemical and electrical engineering. <laughs> And I, I will just tell you, I did not get a 4.0. I didn't get a 3.0. I didn't come anywhere near any of that. Uh, so I had a, I had a, uh, not a friend, I, but I knew him. Uh, 4.0 triple major who got into medical school and law school. Wasn't a pre-med student or pre-law. Just decided to take the MCAT and the, um, mm-hmm. what's the, what's the law school? LCAT. One? Uh, LCAT. Is it the LCAT? I think it's something, I think so. something like LCAT. that. I don't know. Um, Ace to both, like 99 percentile. And then on a, like, on a whim, his senior year was like, I think I'm going to be a surgeon. And just gotten, I think he went and gotten like Duke, man. And I was like, oh, and this guy played in a band, was a ladies band. I was like, fuck this guy. Like, yeah, everything came easy to him. I was, like, I, was like, I was like, mother, I studied for the MCAT for nine months. They're, uh, you, you hate them, but you gotta love them at the same time. God, you, you wanna, yeah, you, you're like you're <laughs> this motherfucker. But yeah, um, 
but hey, with that, Mike, let's wrap this one up. We're at two hours on the nose. Um, I'll message you. We'll uh, we'll set a date up for the third okay. episode. And everybody listening, go check him out. I'll put the links to the books in the description. Go follow his Twitter. They're great books. I again, as my own boss, I I have on guests that I want to have on. Nobody's nobody's saying there's no warlock behind me saying have on, have on Mike. I don't, oh, I don't there might shit. be. There uh, might maybe be. there is. And if there is, <laughs> if there is, I don't even know he's there. Which means I guess he's a really good warlock, but. <laughs> I am my own warlock. I am the dictator of this podcast. And uh, so if I have you on, it's because I like talking to you. And uh, for the for the people listening, if I repeatedly have someone on, especially for books, it's because I genuinely like the book. So uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't push bullshit on this podcast. I don't I don't shill anything for anyone that I don't genuinely uh, enjoy. So uh, if you're interested in this stuff, go grab it or uh, or go grab it. Leave them one star review and tell me sucks. I don't care. It uh, do whatever. But uh Go check it out, Mike. Come on, man. Hey, I'm telling people to fucking. Do you don't want. You don't want me to. You want me to nerf this shit. You want me to sugarcoat it. You want me to cover. Do you want me to protect you from criticism? No. If you like it, go leave a good review. If it sucks, tell them it sucks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean they, that that really is. Yeah, don't be fucking sure. real. Go be hardcore. I don't yeah. know. Maybe just maybe throw them for a loop. Throw them a three star review and then just copy and paste a recipe for cherry pie. I don't know. Get in his head. Psyops. But uh. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, man. All right. Like you said, we will come back. There are good people, but only if we enact change ourselves. Damn right. God bless everybody. Stay safe.